That's fantastic. I am really glad you're here. I want to start out by bragging on our second grade Sunday schoolers. Man, look what they brought me. They brought me a pumpkin with a picture on it. Did you like that? So today we're going to talk about serving. And I'm telling you, these guys are trying to serve the Lord by being good to their preacher. And I'm proud of you. Also, I couldn't help but think, because I'm in the mood for ping pong balls, that this would make a great little ping pong ball paddle, you know, for me right now. Hey, so if you're a second grade boys or one of their family or a Sunday school teacher, would you just stand so I can tell you thank you right now? I'm going to set this right here where you can see it. Where's my second grade? Thank you, guys. That's awesome. All right. We're going to be in the book of Galatians today if you want to take your Bible out. So baseball team, I'm really glad to have you guys. Let me give you a quick orientation so we're all on the same page. Something that our church is trying to do right now, guests, baseball guests, everybody else, Coach Kelly, thanks for being with us. We want to make sure you know what we're up to. Carterville right now is committed that we want to be a healthy church. We feel like we've got the best people in the world. We've got a good and faithful God. We've got good news to tell. We've got resources, opportunity. We've got a great legacy, a great history here. We do not want to be on cruise control. We do not want to become apathetic. We don't want to become lazy or selfish. We don't want to be self-centered. We want to grow in Jesus, and we want to see our lives change in that. And we want to change other people. We want to bless the Pine Belt. So we're committed for the next five years to plan. We're calling the 5 by 5 by 5 plan. In five years, we want to impact 5,000 people in their relationship with God. We want to change their life. We want to move them in a way that won't happen if we're not growing with Jesus. So that holds us to a higher standard. We've got to be open to God doing whatever He wants to do in us so He can shape us. So we're wrapping up pretty soon a sermon series on spiritual development, spiritual formation. We've talked about six things that I think are important for the Christian life if you're going to be the woman or the man that God called you to be. And so I just want to challenge everybody with this. Listen, life is really short, and I want you to make a difference. I want you guys to make a difference. You've only got one life to live, and when you're done and look back on it, I want you to feel like you made an impact. You had a purpose. I want you to be proud of the way you lived. I, wanted, I want you to see that you shaped your grandkids and your kids that you had influence. Life is too short to waste. But the thing that I see, I notice all around me that we're desperately trying to make a dent in the world, but we're working in the wrong direction. We're serving the world instead of serving the Lord. And as a result, our hard work is generating no eternal benefit. Like We're just working to get ahead. We're just keeping up with the Joneses. We're not trying to bless anybody or change anybody's life in a, in a way that will make a real difference. And as the church, we can do better than that because we've got the Spirit of God in us. We've been changed from the inside out by Jesus Christ Himself who died for us and was raised to set us free from death. And so as a church, we're called to a higher standard. You know, with our baseball guests, I'll say this to you guys, but you could say it to everybody in the room. So if God blesses you this year... And let you bat a thousand. Wouldn't that be cool? Coach says yes, that'd be very cool. But what would you do with it? If he blessed you and, and you guys went to state, what would you do with it? What difference would you leverage it for? Would you use it to bless somebody else? Would you influence those young men that look up to you? Or would it all go to your head and be burnt up in glory and parties? What about you? What about you? If God lets you if God lets you have that child you prayed for if God lets you have that promotion you've prayed for if God gives you the opportunity to achieve those financial benchmarks you've set for yourself 
I mean, if, if you get to do what you think you're supposed to be doing for the Lord right now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to influence somebody for the kingdom through it? Are you going to serve? Or is it all going to be for you? Today our sermon is about serving the kingdom. I mean, the most clear call in the scripture is that we're called to serve the living God that created us. And so today the sermon really is a question kind of, are we going to matter? Are we going to learn to serve bigger than ourselves? Are we going to get beyond ourselves? Or are we going to be stuck wrestling with our pride so that the only thing that we achieve in our lives is that we make ourselves a little happier, a little more comfortable, a little richer, a little more popular? Or could we learn the way of the cross Following Jesus, could we learn to be bigger than ourselves? Could we die to ourselves and live to Christ daily and watch Him use us to bless the world? That's what I'm calling us to today. The Scriptures are full of stories. I see Noah serving God by building an ark and saving creation. I see Moses serving God and rescuing slaves. I see Joshua standing before his people and giving them the clarion call Choose for yourself this day whom you'll serve, but as for me and my house, we'll serve God. I see these, this legacy of people who stood to say, I will serve God, and they gave their lives away for it, changed the world, and made it better. And if God only gives us influence in some small field, a little league baseball team, or one classroom, or a handful of seventh graders to mentor, will we serve them so that they can grow in King Jesus? Are we being faithful in the small things? I watched Jesus in the scriptures in John chapter 13. Going around a table with his disciples. Taking his robe off. Wrapping himself in a towel. And the king of glory washing people's feet. I watched Jesus clean the feet of his disciples. And, and I see a perfect picture of servant leadership. I mean that God himself wasn't above coming to wash our feet to show us the value of serving God by serving people. And then Christ, in this great humility, as He pours out His love on His disciples, He basically says, listen, you're not greater than me. The example that I've set for you now, you go follow it. In fact, the world will know you're my disciples by your love for each other. So go serve somebody. So the challenge today is, hey gang, are we stuck serving ourselves or are we ready to serve others? And for a lot of us to be free to serve other people, we've got to be unleashed first from ourselves. A lot of us, the challenge, the reason that we're not serving others really well right now is because we're just serving ourselves. Our pride, our selfishness, our laziness, it's got us locked in this zone where we're the only thing that we can see. So I want to, before I even preach the sermon... I want to challenge you with, with this idea. That before we can serve, we've got to recognize this. Service is really about kingdoms. And the question is this. Are you serving yourself? Are you serving the world? Are you living for the honor that other people will give you? Popularity, prestige, esteem? Or are you ready to serve Christ? To serve the living God? Because no matter how hard we try, we're not going to be awesome servants in God's kingdom if we're still honestly in the wrong kingdom. So before preaching the sermon from Galatians 5 today, I just want to ask you, I mean, are you in Christ? Have you come to a point in your life where you are willing to give yourself up 
the Bible says to die to yourself, to lose your life and find it in Christ. In other words, to give control of your life to Jesus. We call it salvation, being born again, becoming a Christian. Have you come to a moment where you said, okay, I'm not going to live the rest of my life for the tiny goal of serving me. God, I want to give you control of my life. I want the forgiveness of sins that Jesus gives on the cross. I want the hope of the resurrection from the dead that you secure from your resurrection to the grave, and I'm ready to live for you. Because if you're there, then you're ready for the sermon. Serving yourself will prohibit serving in the kingdom. And once you start serving, I really think you're going to start growing in Jesus. For a lot of us, one of the reasons that we're not flourishing in Christ, that we're not growing spiritually, is because we're not serving. It's almost like there's this spiritual principle, right? That if you just sit on a pew and soak up what God has to give you, you're just going to turn sour. Like a rotten sponge that's been wet for a month, you're just going to stink. You might even become one more of those hypocritical, prideful, self-righteous, judgmental Christians that the world doesn't need any more of. So if you sit on the pew and soak, you're going to sour. And what we're asking everybody to do is to learn to serve. Find a place to serve. Serve in your local church. Serve people outside. But I want to orient that in Galatians chapter 5. Let me read two, two verses of Scripture. Galatians 5, Paul the Apostle has been preaching to these people to explain to them how Jesus Christ has set them free. They're righteous now. They're forgiven. They're in Jesus Christ. And they're tempted. Some of them are tempted to go back to a cold religion, back to their old rules, trying to please God through rituals. And Paul's begging them, don't use your freedom to let you go back to slavery, to religious rules. No, that's not it. Don't go back to Judaism. Some of them are tempted to go back to paganism. And Paul's saying, don't let your freedom in Jesus tempt you to go back to slavery, to pagan gods, to ruling the world, to living for your pleasures or your flesh, or just a self-indulgent lifestyle. Don't do that. Jesus has set you free. Don't go back to slavery again. And in this moment in the gospel, the book of Galatians turns like on a hinge. And in a moment, Paul starts unloading on us how to live the Christian life in this new freedom. And so I say to the church, you've been saved. Now what? Are you going to go back to a life of slavery, like a second generation of slavery? Just slavery to religion or slavery to rules? Are you going to go back to your old ways, just slavery to sin? Or are you ready for life in Christ? Are you ready for something new? I am. So this is what Jesus saved you for. Verse 13 of chapter 5. Here's what the Bible says. My brothers and sisters... You were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. These two verses will be the focus of our sermon, mostly verse 13. I'll read verse 13 again, and we're going to read it so many times this morning that I hope that when you go to Grandmother's house today and she says, well, what y'all talk about at your church? That you'll say, well, Grandmother, we talked about brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another in humility and love. I hope you're ready. Take a look at this text together. Verse 13. 
It's on the screen in front of you. I want to show you three things about this passage that help us a little bit. The first thing I want to point out, I want you to look at that slide, and I want you to focus your attention on the words, do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. I want you to look at those three words, to indulge the flesh. So the Greek term beneath this word I think is pretty neat. Uh, the Greek term beneath this word to indulge in the flesh is aphirmen. And what it means, what it means is an opportunity for the flesh or an occasion for the flesh. But I think this is kind of cool. Some of your texts, some of your Bibles translate that verse sort of like this. Don't use that freedom as an opportunity or an occasion for the flesh. In other words, so Jesus Christ has set you free. He has given you innocence in the sight of God. When you die, you'll get to go to heaven. While you're living, you're free in God, in Christ. So what now? Well, have you ever had this thought? I have. Have you ever had this thought? Well, God will forgive me, won't he? And then you do what you want to do to satisfy your passions or desires. And you say, well, God's going to forgive me anyway. It's no big deal. Have you ever felt that way? Of course you have. Everybody has. And Paul knew that everybody had. That's why he warned his believers in Galatia and all these churches, well, now that you've been set free in Jesus, you're going to face a temptation to use this new freedom just to indulge in the flesh, indulge in a sinful lifestyle, chasing your passions, disobeying God's commands and desires. You're going to use this freedom to live for yourself if you're not careful. Now, this neat thing about it is kind of, the term beneath it originated as like a military term. In the, in the military context, it meant like a base camp or a camp of operations, like a starting point where we would launch out from for basically for us to bring our war. So think of it like this. Paul said, hey, if you're not careful, the freedom that Jesus has given you, if you take the wrong attitude about it and don't try to serve one another, if you're just going to sit on your butt and expect people to serve you, if you're just going to sit and soak and sour in the Spirit, if you're just going to sit here and ask what can God do for you, not what can you do for God, if you're just going to sit here, you're going to use the freedom that Jesus died to give you as a base camp where sin is going to set up in you and attack you and attack you and attack you and attack you until it makes you a slave. Instead of being the man, the woman that God created you to be, he's going to drag you off into affairs or into a wasted lifestyle. He's going to drag you off into greed so that all you can do is think about how to work for yourself. If you abuse the freedom of Jesus, it's going to become like a base camp of operations where the devil sets up his military strategy to undo you. I don't want that to happen, but I've seen it happen. I've seen my brothers and sisters in our church and outside our church allow their freedom in Jesus just to become an excuse to sin, a base camp for sin to set up and take you down. So I'm asking you today, are you living just for your pleasures, like for your passions, whatever you desire, you chase after it and go get it? Or are you trying to follow the Lord? I'll show you the next thing I want you to see. So don't use it as an opportunity to indulge your flesh because a life in the flesh will tear you down. What I want you to see is it's an opportunity for you, but we're being called to serve one another humbly. 
The neat thing about this is actually the term for serve one another humbly. Your translations of your Bible render this very differently because it's a tough word to throw into this text. It actually means become a slave to each other. He, he literally says, rather, become a slave to one another in love. Like in the Greek text, he literally is telling you to become a slave. And this is an interesting aspect of service. Why don't we serve? I'll tell you why we don't serve. We don't serve because of our pride and our selfishness. I don't want to serve you. I don't want to be a slave to somebody else. Why should I answer you? Like this mindset that I'm too good or I'm better or I'm above or I don't have time. My time is too valuable. Here's the deal. Service takes commitment and time. And we stink at commitment and sacrifice. Which is why I see this image of Jesus Christ getting down on his knee and washing the feet of the disciples. To show what? To show that if you love, you serve. And to take on the form of a servant is not shameful. It's to follow Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for many so that he could serve. Paul tells us, don't let your freedom in Jesus become an opportunity for the flesh. Don't let it cause you to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another in humility. Literally, let's become slaves to one another. Let's imagine that we belong to each other so strongly that you own me and I own you. And I am not beneath caring for you. And there's nothing that you would need that is too small or dirty for me. I am not too good, too busy, or too important to serve you. You can go in front of me through any entryway in this church. If you spill your tea, I'm not too clean to get down and clean it up. I promise you, I'm not. And the same is true for all of us. This attitude of humility is so integral to serving. You know, when Paul tells the Galatians not to let sin set up a base camp in them, he challenges them that the alternative to allowing sin to rule you, rather serve one another in love. The alternative to becoming a sour Christian who's going to sit and be ruined in sin, the alternative is to learn to serve other people, that you would actively engage in loving and serving. And I think this is a key to Christian growth, is that you find a way to serve and I think you can serve inside the church, and I think you can serve outside the church, but I'm calling you to serve. And here's the deal. Any serving that you do, it's going to cost you some time or some money or some energy. Like, it's going to be inconvenient to serve anybody at any time. But Paul says, let's become slaves to each other. Like, let's learn the humble mindset of belonging to each other. And here's the deal, if for just a nanosecond, if I start to think that I am for some reason too qualified to serve you, then I should reflect on the master and inventor of my way of life. I follow Jesus Christ. Like He's my Savior, but He's also my life example. Like He is the mentor that I want to be. And as I look at Jesus Christ, like the ultimate climax of His life is that He was stripped naked, beaten, and hung on a cross on the edge of a highway to be mocked, ridiculed, made fun of by the crowds so that he could serve, so that he could give his life, literally pour out his life for me. 
And if God Almighty, taking the form of His Son, Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this triune God, loved me enough that Jesus Christ would die on a cross shamefully for me to serve me, my goodness, I can serve you. And I promise I'm not too proud to do it. For all of us in college, high school, young adults, maybe this would help us knock that chip, that prideful swagger off our shoulder so that we could slow down well enough to learn to love and not worry if it cost us popularity points, but rather that we would grade ourselves by how well we serve the least of these in our schools, in our workplaces, our soccer fields, and in our homes. Maybe this would break us from the popularity contest that we all feel like we're slaves to. The Bible's pretty clear you can be a slave to sin or a slave to Christ. I choose to be a slave to Christ. And if you choose that path, you'll serve each other. I want you to commit it, to consider right now for what your commitment to serve would be. Like, how could God use you? How's He gifted you and shaped you? So, He wants you to serve in your church as a greeter, in youth ministry, in children's ministry, rocking our babies in the nursery, making disciples of our youngest kids. Some of the highest volume of volunteer service we have in the church. To serve during worship service and extended care. Is he calling you to do that? Is he calling you to lead worship in the choir and you just haven't done it because you, you don't want to commit to choir rehearsal or you don't want to sit up in front of everybody? Hey, my brothers and sister slaves, serving requires commitment. It will take our time. It'll cost us something. Do he want you to serve by discipling someone in the community that you're supposed to meet with them for eight weeks and you know that? You're supposed to meet with them for breakfast for eight weeks. Buy them a cup of coffee and a biscuit and pour Jesus into them. Take what you got from your church and give it to them one-on-one at a restaurant in town. Maybe it'll take your time, though. And I know you're like me. I want to hunt and I want to fish and I want to watch football. I'm, I'm, you're like me. You want to you take a nap. You want to take it. I get it. And there are times to rest. God tells us to rest. Take a Sabbath. But I want you to realize that if you scoot back like I do and watch your day planner, you'll probably find that there are lots of holes that we're filling with our hobbies or what we want to the degree that we're not serving. And the Scriptures tells us to be a slave. Third thing that I want to show you in here is that kind of the way to monitor or inspire or spark service is tricky. Look at this. Verse 13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly. How? In Love. The final command launches us into verse 14. And all of verse 14 narrates this. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to embody the ministry of Christ, if you want to carry forward a life of purpose, if you want to go to your cold grave one day knowing you spent yourself well and that you made a difference, it is absolutely critical That you start now learning to serve other people. The entire law is filled in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Super hard to do. The good news is in the church, we know how to fix this. We struggle the same as the entire rest of the world does with this. But we know how to fix this. I want to serve. I know it's the right thing to do. I want to take that attitude of a servant. I recognize servant leadership is how I should design my company, my household. I want to serve. 
I want to be humble. My pride makes it hard to get me there. And in Christianity, in the church, we know the solution. If I want to change me on the inside, then I need to let Jesus Christ have his work of spiritual formation in me. Discipleship is that I want to be changed into the image of Jesus. I want to learn what he does, and I want to do what he does, and I need the Holy Spirit to come. I need Christ to change me from the inside out. I need to call out to God this morning in church and ask him for the love that I do not have. The truth is this. If you want to serve, you have to love first. If you don't love and you just serve, then you're going to serve, but you're going to force yourself to serve. You're just punching a punch list. You're just checking off a box. If you want to serve the way God wants you to serve in the kingdom, then first you've got to learn to love your neighbor, and then you are free to serve your neighbor. And so the problem for me sometimes, it's not that I'm not willing to serve, it's that I don't have enough love. If I loved my neighbor, I would serve them. And if you and I are looking around today going, wow, I know that I need to do something about this. I I see that I'm the most selfish member of my family. I I, I see that I'm the most selfish person in my class. I see that I'm not changing my college campus. I recognize today that I am not making an impact at work. I can see right now that God just called me to, to coach a little soccer team, and I've got an opportunity, and I've got to take it. I've got to do better. I see that in my selfishness, I'm not serving. What do I do? The answer is simple. Ask Christ to change you from the inside out, to give you love for God so that you can serve Him, to give you love for people so that you'll serve them. So I'm calling you, baseball team, Carterville Church, all of us today. You living the life God's called you to live? Are you serving the way God wants you to serve? How many of us today would say, I'm ready to take a step. I'm ready to grow. I want to change this. So what do we do at the end of the sermon to take that first next step? I'll give you some ideas. One, if you're not in Christ today, you're going to be fighting this uphill battle. You're going to be very worn out because it's basically hypocrisy. You're going to pretend to be in Christ when you're not. I say drop the act. Just get right with Jesus. If you're not where you need to be with God, if you've never given your life to Christ, today, right now, at the end of this service, just a minute, we're going to be singing, you ignore us, and you sit right where you are, and you just pray out to God. Call out to Him. In the privacy of your little pew, you ask God to change you from the inside out. Give Him your life. Tell Christ you know that you're a sinner far from Him, but today, from this day forward, you give Him your life. You want to be His person. He's in control. Pray and ask for salvation this morning. Let us celebrate with baptism. We want to celebrate what God's doing in you. All right? Second, open your eyes this week. As you walk around filled with the Holy Spirit, loving the people around you, keep your eyes open. On the baseball field, the workplace, in your households, and all around the Pine Belt, keep your eyes open for how you could serve somebody. The smallest things, the smallest things. You hold that door, let somebody go first and and smile and say good morning. The larger things. You spend the afternoon at their house helping console them in their grief. You go spend the day cleaning up their yard because they don't have the time, the energy, or the health today to do it. Sit and have a conversation with your spouse about how you can leverage your family's funds and resources to help that person that's on a shoestring this month and might not make it if you don't help them. You willing to serve? As Christ served you, are you willing to do what?
what the Spirit says? What about inside the church? This is easy. Reed told you this already. Inside your bulletin, there's a tear-out card. On one side, it says Connections card. and On the other side, it says I want to serve. We have got tons of ways that you can serve in the church. From sitting with children in the nursery to making disciples of students or college students on Wednesday nights. Maybe God's going to use you to influence somebody in a personal way. Maybe He wants you to be a greeter or a hostess. Maybe He wants you to, to be a part of our church security team. Maybe He wants you to do any number of things. So here's what I want you to do. In just a second, I'm going to get the whole church to tear this card out so that nobody feels weird about it. And I just want to ask you, as part of the response to this sermon, is there any way that God's calling you to serve in the church? And you want to use this moment to say, Gosh, Ben, I'm ready to serve. Tell me how to serve in this area. And I'd love to see, I'd love to see dozens of these turned in. And I'd love to see us so busy tomorrow we can barely do anything else because we're trying to make sure that we said, hey, thanks for saying that you're ready to serve in the choir. We'd love to get you plugged in there. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your bulletin. I want everybody to join me in tearing out the I want to serve card in your bulletin. an interesting sound every time we do it. My goodness, how many people are here today? <laughs> Katie, did you tear yours out? You got it? Okay. Tyler, we got lunch for you in just a minute. Just so you know. Yeah. All right. Maybe God wants you to use this card. No bells and whistles. It's pretty simple. Take a look. If there's something on there that you want to, that you know that God's calling you to serve in, check the box. If there's not, write in the blank how we can use you, how we can help you find a place of service inside the body of Christ. But hear me say this, everybody. Don't allow that to prevent you from finding all the thousands of ways you can serve outside the church. I want you to serve inside the church, and I think it would be wise for everybody here to find a way to serve here and a way to serve outside the walls. And I want you to ask Christ to show you that. Because here's what I find. When you start serving, you start growing. I'll give you two examples. Throughout my lifetime, when I've gone through seasons when I was a little discouraged, depressed, or down, when I was wallowing in self-pity and I started to feel like, man, I think I'm just going to go eat worms. I noticed that when I started caring about somebody else, when I started worrying about somebody else instead of my problems, when I started asking how I can help other people, when I made that mental change, everything changed. Second example. I know when God called me to start teaching Sunday school, when I was 18, I taught the young adult Sunday school class at Sugarlock Baptist Church, and that's really laughable when I look back on it, but it was awesome for me. I mean, I was, I was 18, and our class went from everything from me, I was the youngest, to folks in their mid-40s. It was fun, but that's where I learned to start in Sunday school, you know. I'll tell you this, when I started preparing to teach Sunday school, to people that were older than me, <laughs> it's when I started really learning the Bible, brother. But I learned that by serving, I was growing. In other words, when it was time for me to teach, I really buckled down to prepare. When God calls me to shepherd, to pastor another person, to disciple somebody else, it causes me really to stand up and grow as a believer. And I think I know why that is. I can't swear to it, coach, but I think I know why that is, guys. I think it's because God didn't design you to sit down on a pew and soak. He designed you to serve. And when you do what you were designed to do, He comes right alongside you to help you. And when He comes alongside you and starts helping you, you start growing 
And you see that all of a sudden you're off cruise control and out of neutral. And you're on fire and making a difference in the kingdom. So today, I'm calling you to serve. Now, I'm going to wrap up this service by praying over you. And as I pray over you, I want you to consider how you should serve. You got the connections card you can use? Fill out that card. You can drop it in the red boxes on the way out the door. Or if God so leads, you can come to the front of the church and pray at the altar and put it on a step. If God doesn't tell you to use that card, then don't. But you sit right there where you are in your pew. And as you sing to Him, you pray to Him about how He wants you to start serving. Because when you start serving, you will start growing. Let me pray for us. Father, it has been our honor today to be in your house, to study in Sunday school together, to encourage our brothers and sisters with each other that we would be healthy communities of faith. Lord, it's been our honor to be in your house of worship, to ask for your spirit to move among us, to remind us of how you've served us in Christ, and that we would choose the alternative, Lord, to self-worship, that we would serve. God, it's been our honor, Lord, to host this baseball team and their families. I pray you administer to these young men as they find your calling on their lives. And Lord, as often as you bless any one of them, I pray they would use that for service in your kingdom, that their lives would resound for your glory and they would matter. God, I pray for us as a church family that you would instruct us on how we can follow Jesus and serve you. Father, how we could serve you instead of ourselves or you instead of the status quo. I ask your spirit to lead us in this, Lord, and set us free. And I ask for that in Jesus' name.